Welcome to episode 16 of the City of Champions podcast. Today we discuss the series sweep against the Giants, we look ahead to the series against the Astros, then we switch over to Lakerland to discuss our bad game one and what we need to do going into game two to fix it. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the City of Champions podcast. My name is Edgar, your co-host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gene, today to talk about the Dodgers sweep of the Giants. Let's go. And then after that, we'll discuss the uh, the Lakers' rough start to the playoffs. But let's begin with, with a sweep. What were your initial thoughts on the series against the Giants, Gene? My initial thoughts were that the Giants suck ass and their record is inflated by playing teams below 500. They finally played a good baseball team and they saw what's up. Sweep at their, in their home stadium. I don't want to hear no shit from the Giants. Go back to third place where you belong and uh, let's get it. We got Houston next. Fuck them too. Yeah, man. Like you said, it was, uh, it was a sweep and, uh, man, the Giants fans are triggered. They were out in hordes talking mad shit on Twitter. Talking about how they're in first place. Talking about how the Dodgers aren't as good as them. Talking all this sorts of smack. But let's, you know, look at game one. The big headline. Bauer taunting the crowd with his Lasorda impersonation. What'd you think about that? Bro, Trevor Bauer is perfect for the rivalry, man. Um, I've enjoyed everything he's done this season, but nothing was more perfect than him just trolling the Giant fan. The Giants fan, man. He he pitched a great game, uh, 126 pitches, and uh, you know, he's going off the field and they're booing him, and he's just like, yo. All the booze. That's what he said. I want all the booze. Go ahead, boo me. You know, because that's how you know you're 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 good, man. Like when you're getting booed coming off the mound, that shows you that you're doing something good, man. You know, celebrating on the mound. The giant broadcasters calling his sword celebrations weak. It's just it was perfect, man. He he adds flair to the series in the rivalry. Definitely does, and uh, you know, on top of that, he had a pretty damn good game. You know. He's been consistent this uh, this specific game. He had 6.1 innings, two hits, one earned run, a little shaky on the walks with four, but 11 strikeouts. And that brings his ERA down to 1.98. That is pretty damn good for a starter. For I mean, for any starter in the big leagues, right? That's like setup man type ERA. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is like people hate Trevor Bauer is like one of those players that people just love to hate, right? They They don't look at his numbers. They just talk shit about him, and they just hate him without reason, right? And I get it. Um, you know, if he's not on your team, he's annoying for sure. But his numbers, man, are amazing. You know, his ERA is better than Garrett Cole's. And so he's definitely pitching like a top pitcher in baseball. And, you know, people didn't believe in what he did last year, but he's replicating it this year, if not uh, better. And so, man, happy to have him on the team. Um, I was a little worried that they let him go 126 pitches, but If anyone on the roster can handle it, it's definitely him. Yeah, man. And I'm glad you highlighted that little piece of information because you mentioned a couple episodes ago how last year's playoffs, we did so well because Roberts was really managing with instinct rather than analytics. And this game is a perfect example of that, right? He lets Bauer go 126 pitches in a time where, you know, the 100 pitch cutoff seems to be the trigger point for 
managers to pull their starters. And he let him go. He went with his gut and it proved to be the right decision. And I'm really happy to see that from Roberts. Really want to see more of that. Hats off to him. Yeah, and, and I think we've seen a, a fair share of that early on this season. Roberts just letting the pitchers kind of starting pitchers go. Um, even though we're only we're, we're only, we only have four starters right now, he's just allowed them to pitch and pitch deep into games. You know, Bauer goes six in the third. Udias went six, and then uh, Jeweler went seven. So um, the starting pitching overall this whole series was great. Um, I put their stats down: nineteen in the third innings pitched, eleven hits, three earned runs. Five walks, 26 strikeouts. Their ERA for the starters was 1.4 this series with a .8 whip. Dominant, bro. Our starting pitching is dominant. And you can argue that all four of our starters, and if May was healthy and continued to do what he was doing, you could have said all five of our starters should have been all-stars. Isn't that crazy, right? It's almost like uh, even our fourth guy, Udias, could be the number one starter on a lot of teams, the way he's pitching. And overall, you know, really great series. We sort of cemented our dominance over the West once again. I know the Padres have, you know, won a few in a row and they're, I think, a game up on us. But going into the series, the Giants being in first place, us really coming back from a very, very rough, you know, couple of weeks. This was a game where where we really put our foot down. It got the team going. It was, uh, you know, sort of capped off by... Muncie's ocean shot, which seems to have uh, become a, a staple in his game, right? Hit it into the ocean. And, you know, what's really funny about that is you go on Twitter and you troll Giants fans about hitting it in the ocean and they, they get triggered. They come back with responses like, well, technically, it's a bay. It's not an ocean. And I, I know it seems cheesy, but it's it's funny how many people like come back with that response. And you got to love them getting mad, getting uh, pissed off at that kind of thing, because that's how you know we're under their skin. And so I'm all for it. You know, it seemed like this uh, this series was really the Dodgers against like their old pitchers, right? Alex Wood, uh, Casimir going in the second game. But it's all it's all good, right? And we had some feel-good moments as well in the second game of the series with Pujols giving his bat to, to that kid. And it kind of just shows his impact on the Dodgers clubhouse. I know a few of the Dodgers have mentioned that their turnaround is attributed to the new faces that, that have been in the clubhouse. And that sort of like embodied the kind of presence and the kind of uh, you know guy Pujols really is and his effect on the clubhouse. I've said it before and I kind of said it you know, for a while, you know, a while ago when we initially got pool host, it, it wasn't about the production for me, even though he has been producing. I think he has five RBIs since he's joined the Dodgers. Um, and so he's got an RBI or um, or a hit, I think, each game. I'm not sure if that's still going on. But I said it was it was about his veteran presence for me. That's what it was about. Someone who can bring positive culture to the clubhouse. Not that our culture was bad or anything like that, but someone who can add something to an already strong clubhouse culture, right? And so he brings in that veteran leadership, that veteran experience, uh, you know, that Hall of Fame uh, baseball knowledge, just instincts, IQ, all of that. He's there. He's having fun. You know, when he gets a base hit, he's doing the celebrations and he's laughing and he's having fun in the clubhouse. And so, you know, he's been, uh, he's definitely been a positive. He's not obviously the best hitter at this point in his career, but even then, he's still producing and just positive for the clubhouse. All around a good series. I'm really happy with it. It really, you know, we, we've got to carry this momentum into the next series. And speaking of facing old Dodgers pitchers, we've got the Astros coming up with Granke in game one. And Granke is a very divisive guy. So it's going to be an interesting series going down to Houston, I think for the first time with, uh, with a crowd at least, since finding out that they cheated 
it'll be interesting to see how many Dodgers fans show up. I know we travel in packs. We 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 like to travel to other stadiums, and so we'll see if there's any uh, sort of uh, fireworks that come off of that. We've got Clayton Kershaw going up against again Granky in Game One. It's uh, it's a classic matchup. What are your thoughts uh, going into that series? The Astros are not even relevant to me, honestly, anymore. Like I don't. I mean, I still hate them for cheating, but uh, I I completely expect this to go in there and be dominant. Take two, you know, uh, piss them off, uh, hit a couple batters, and, you know, maybe clear the dugouts, get into a scuffle or two. Should be fun, man. Uh, I'm hoping for some fireworks, you know, because fuck them hoes. Tell me about it. And uh, players coming back from that 2017 World Series, we've got Alex Bregman, we've got Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, who he was the guy to taunt and make fun of uh, you, Darvish, which was absolutely disrespectful. Matt, I would not be mad if uh, you know we threw threw at them, man. I still feel like we haven't gotten payback. It still feels like it's it's been unfair. I know we've moved on, we've won the World Series, but there's still that sour taste left in your mouth. And I, I really hope we go in there and we just destroy them. And honestly, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I mean, maybe in a year or two, but I just feel like baseball fans are going to always be given Jose Altuve. Carlos Correa, Bregman, all of those guys. Like you saw even Reddick, bro. Reddick came from triple A to play in a game for the Diamondbacks. This dude was in the minor leagues and he was getting booed. Uh, Musgrove, when he came to pitch at Dodger Stadium for the Padres, he was getting it. And so it's just all these, you know, because baseball Twitter remembers and they're not going to let anyone forget and they're going to keep bringing it up and they're going to keep giving these guys shit. So they got to just deal with it for the rest of their career. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, rightfully so. That's what they deserve. Bunch of cheaters. Got away with it. All good. But let's uh, shout out a couple of guys who have been uh, hitting the cover off the ball. Muncie and then Lux with another grand slam. Shout out to those guys, man. Yeah, man. Um, Max Muncie, bro, he is, you know, coming around. He had a little bit of a slump. He got hot and had a little bit of a slump. And now he's tearing the cover off the ball, man. The, the power bat has come to life. I remember uh, it was the Cubs series, I think, where he had a couple home runs. I was like, okay, the power is coming, and it's definitely come uh, come back to life. So he's hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, Gavin Lux had a grand slam today, and he's just uh, same thing, man. Since he moved to shortstop, just hitting the ball really well. So we definitely have some guys that are hot right now and helping to carry the offense. And you think about what we did today, right? Uh, put up 11 runs. And that's without Mookie Betts, our leadoff hitter. That's without Corey Seager, the hitter in the two-hole. And that's without Cody Bellinger, who will be our, you know, can hit anywhere from four, five, six. This is also with Justin Turner in the middle of a horrible slump. And, you know, so it just shows you how deep and dynamic our, our offense is. So I don't even think we've hit our ceiling yet for this season because we haven't been fully healthy. So uh, excited to see what we can do moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, some injury updates, some good news out of um, Oklahoma with Cody Bellinger going deep in his first at bat. Love to see it, right? He's definitely uh, been missed, especially in that lineup, that fourth spot, that fifth spot, wherever uh, you know he gets slotted. And glad that uh, he's looking good and uh, almost ready to come back. You know, he's definitely gonna, you know, add to the depth of the of the team and. Uh, Nothing but good news, man. It just seems like things are uh, finally, you know, turning around. They finally turned around, and we're finally hitting full stride um, in time for the upcoming play against the the Padres that's uh, coming up in June. So 
all good stuff from the Dodgers. Let's keep it going and, you know, let's see what happens. But um, let's switch over to the Lakers. Lots to talk about with them. But first, let's take a break. All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Today was game one of round one of the playoffs in our seven-game series against the Phoenix Suns, and it did not go the way we hoped. But before we get to that, there was some news that was broken either late Friday night, early Saturday morning that sent uh, basketball Twitter and the basketball world into a frenzy when it was reported by Dave McMenamin of ESPN that LeBron James violated health and safety protocols, the COVID health and safety protocols. Uh, It was earlier this week before they played the Warriors where he had like a promotional event for his tequila and uh, it was outdoors. Uh, You know, the word is that you either had to be vaccinated or um, everyone had to produce a negative test, but that still violated the health and safety protocols. And people were calling for LeBron James to be suspended even though the guidelines say that punishment and consequences could be a warning, a fine, or suspension. Um, Edgar, what were your thoughts on that real quick before we get into today's game? I saw the story come in, and I think it was around midnight on Friday. And as soon as I saw it, I, I knew that the NBA was trying to bury it because although it wasn't a big deal, people would make it a big deal, right? Any shot any little bit of an incident that they could take and run with to get LeBron James suspended or a high-profile player like LeBron suspended, people are going to run with it, right? But Friday at midnight, right? What happens Friday at midnight? Absolutely nothing. What happens Saturday morning? Absolutely nothing. There aren't any talk shows. There aren't any ESPN breaking special reports. There is nothing. And so immediately, I, I knew it was a a nothing burger. Nothing was going to come of it. The NBA didn't want anything to come of it. ESPN didn't want anything to come of it as well because, you know, LeBron goes down and ratings suffer. The game isn't as entertaining. And at the end of the day, it's just a storyline, right? So I'm glad the NBA released it when they did. Everyone was vaccinated. Players have to test negative regardless. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But again, NBA Twitter, NBA Reddit, NBA Facebook, NBA whatever. They like to make a big deal out of things. And, uh, you know, nothing happened. And I I had the same reaction because I read it before you did. Or maybe you read it Friday night and just I was already asleep. But I read it first thing Saturday morning. And um, I tweeted or I texted you about like how NBA Twitter was already annoying me this morning or Saturday morning because of it. But I had quickly, once I saw the report, I quickly read the guidelines, the NBA guidelines that Shams had uh, shared in December. And so I uh, quickly took a snippet. First, I tweeted out the entire article. Then I was like, no one's going to read this whole article. So then I tweeted just like a snip of where it said that a player could face uh, a fine, a suspension, or just a warning. So it uh, people that were calling for LeBron James to be suspended don't understand the guidelines. And they're just being haters, man. Like that that's all it was. But um, yeah, so just thought, thought we discussed that real quick. So let's go into this uh, game one loss, uh, Lakers loss. I believe it was 99-90 against the Suns today. Uh, just an overall bad game by the Lakers, man, uh, from top to bottom. Edgar, hit, hit me with your just some initial takeaways from this game, some reasons why you think we lost. Judging off of that first quarter when 
KCP was missing those three-point shots, those wide-open three-point shots. Andre Drummond was the only guy that was producing. He was uh, getting some easy putbacks, getting a lot of offensive rebounds. Dennis Schroeder just getting beaten on defense, doing a really poor job. It just didn't look right. And you could tell Anthony Davis doesn't feel comfortable playing on the perimeter. And rightly so. He's got no business being out there for most of the game. And Twitter was livid with Vogel's decision to keep Andre Drummond at the center position for such a long time because he was in there for some heavy minutes. And like we saw last game against the Warriors, he clogs up the paint. You know, he doesn't give AD any room to work. And it showed. So initially it was it was that. It just it didn't feel right. It felt a lot like game one against the Blazers last year. Lakers Lakers weren't ready. So let me counter your point real quick about uh, Laker Twitter being mad uh, with Vogel's rotations and AD needing to be at the five. AD did play some five this game against uh, when when Drummond was at the uh, not when Drummond when Aiden was at the five as well, and it did. In my opinion, it didn't look good, man. AD was still floating on the perimeter, shooting deep twos and staying at the three point line. He wasn't attacking him in the mid post, trying to get to the basket. Because really, the benefit to AD playing the five is sure he can hit jumpers and stuff, but it's more his ability to get by his defender, draw fouls, get to the rim, finish at the rim. But he didn't do any of that against Aiton, so we don't have the offensive benefit of AD at the five. Then on defense, DeAndre Aiton was punking him on the glass. DeAndre Aiton finished the game with eight offensive rebounds. He was, AD was having trouble keeping him off the glass. So, everyone that listens to the show knows I'm not a big DeAndre or, or, or Andre Drummond fan. I'm not a big Andre Drummond fan, but I'm not anti-Andre Drummond. And I don't think Drummond played bad this game. I wouldn't say he played bad. Could he have played better? Of course, he missed some easy shots and whatnot. But I think that the real issue more is just AD didn't come to play. I don't know... How, how to better describe it. He was a minus 18 for the game. He was 5 for 16 from the field. 13 points, 7 rebounds. DeAndre uh, Ayton on the other end shot 10 for 11. 21 points, 16 rebounds, 8 of those offensive. So really that to me was kind of the, the deciding factor. I thought that we would have a size advantage over the Suns. And we gave that up by moving AD to the 5. So then our lineups are kind of even then. And and even, honestly, if you look at the lineups we played, because we played a lot of uh, Caruso, Schroeder, KCP, LeBron, AD lineups. So three guards uh, with LeBron and, and AD. So we really honestly gave up the size advantage because, because uh, Booker, is he's bigger than Schroeder, Caruso, and KCP. And you, can, you notice they all struggle to defend him. And then Mikel Bridges is bigger than all of them. And Jay Crowder and LeBron is kind of a wash. And then AD and uh, DeAndre Ayton is kind of a wash. So if we're going to give up the size advantage, there needs to be a benefit on the offensive end. And then AD has to hold his own on the boards. And he didn't do that. So how do we counter that? And I've been posting it on Twitter is if you want size, if you want the size that Drummond brings with the offensive versatility that you can get with AD at the five, we have the perfect center for that. His name is Marcus Saul. You put him in, he gives you size with shooting and spacing, 
passing, all of those benefits. So if I had one bone to pick with Vogel this game is that he didn't even give Gasol any minutes. He gave Harrell the backup minutes. And, and that makes sense because Saric was in playing the five. And that'd be a pretty bad matchup for Gasol. But why not give Gasol some minutes with Aiton when Aiton's in at the five? And then when Saric comes in at the five, then put AD at the five because you still have the size advantage. So just something to look forward to in game two. I, I'm fully confident that Vogel will make adjustments. I, I think another reason we, we lost this game for sure is a. Uh, is Booker, man. Booker cooked us. He ate everyone up that we threw at him. He ate up Caruso. He, oh man, he ate Caruso up bad on one play. Just had Caruso doing circles. So he ate up Caruso. He ate up KCP. He ate up Wes Matthews. He ate up Schroeder. He ate up everyone. So we definitely have to figure out a game plan to defend him. And I would say lastly was our shooting. 27% from the three-point line. That's not going to get it done. 60% from the free throw line. That for sure isn't going to get it done. So I would say overall we played bad. So here's my question to you, Edgar. Are you worried? I'm not worried yet. You know, last year we started both playoff series down one. And in both, we looked pretty bad that first game, right? We just didn't look ready. But one thing that, you know, Vogel's mentioned is that uh, they watch a lot of tape. And... I'm confident in their ability to go back and look at where they played poorly, where they had, you know, where they made mistakes. Like you said, it was 7 of 26 from three-point land, including 1 of 7 for KCP, 0 of 3 for Wesley Matthews. So if you look at, you know, statistics, you look at the natural distribution of shooting, things even out over the course of, you know, one, two, three, four games. And so if we shot 7 of 26 this game, that leads me to believe that we're going to shoot really high from three-point land next game. Now, that's not always the case if the other team plays really good perimeter defense. But the Suns didn't play good perimeter defense. We just missed shots. KCP had like three wide-open threes in the first, a couple back-to-back, and he just missed them. So... I'm not worried in that sense. I think things will correct themselves. I think they're going to watch the tape. I think AD is going to step it up because like you said, he was a minus 18. After that, the next closest uh, player was KCP at a minus nine. So that's nine point difference from your best player, your second best player, right? On the flip side, if you look at the uh, at the Suns, who had the greatest point difference Aiton with a plus 16. So you could see the direct connection between Aiton and Anthony Davis. One played like shit and the other one capitalized on the other playing like shit. So I expect Anthony Davis to come out angry and play angry and play like the all-star that he is because 13 points, 7 rebounds on 5 of 16 shooting. It's unacceptable from a supposed top five player in the league. I expect Vogel to fix his rotations, maybe give Marcus off some of those minutes, maybe give THT a couple more minutes. Because as as you could see, THT is a playmaker. He gets he he can create his own shot. He can get to the rim. He should be getting more minutes. So I'm not worried at all. I think we'll correct it. You're right, bro. That is unacceptable. 
But on top of that is not only is it unacceptable, but it's not going to get it done if we plan on winning a championship. I've always held all season and I've criticized Anthony Davis a lot because I know that the Lakers are going to go as far as AD takes them. And that's not to say that he's more important to the team than LeBron James or anything like that. But LeBron James needs help. And AD needs to be that guy to give him the help. So we saw it the first half against the Warriors. AD played like crap. We struggled. He played way better in the second half. We played way better in the second half. AD struggled this whole game. As a team, we struggled this whole game. So I fully expect AD to bounce back. Um, I'm not worried either. Because these are the questions I asked myself. So things we talked about. AD played horrible. Do you fully think AD will play horrible for the next six games? No, I don't. So I'm not worried about him. We got e- we got out-rebounded. Do I think the Suns will out-rebound us moving forward? I don't. So I'm not worried about that. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton shot 10 for 11, 21 points, 16 re- rebounds, 8 offensive rebounds. Do I expect him to play like that the rest of the series? I do not. Booker? went off. Do I expect Booker to go off the rest of the series? That's a possibility. That's a possibility that Booker's going to cook us. And I think we can live with that if AD has a better game, right? Because you look at Booker's numbers, 34, 7, 8, 50% shooting, and you only won by 9. So DeAndre Ayton played out of his mind, and the Suns only won by 9. We shot the ball like crap, 27% for the three-point line, as I mentioned, 60% from the free throw line. Do I think we'll shoot like that the rest of the series? I do not. So with all that went bad for us and all that went well for the Suns, I think things will go back to normal the rest of the series. And I do fully expect us to win. Like I said, I believe that we'll win in six. So I'm looking forward to next game. I'm looking forward to us bouncing back. Now, you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned we missed open shots. And we did. And that can't that can't continue. Because if we're not going to hit open shots, then the Suns are going to continue to run double teams at LeBron, send help against AD, and then it's going to make it harder on them. Our our guys have to be able to hit those open shots. KCP, Caruso, Caruso, Schroeder, uh, Kuzma, whoever's on the floor, Wes Matthews, Gasol, all these guys have to hit open shots for us to uh, be able to win these games. Now, that is a reason why I don't know if THT is the answer for more minutes. Especially not if Drummond is on the floor. Because THT is not that good of a shooter. So you give the defense a guy to sag off of. Already on top of Drummond's guy being close to the paint. Clogging up driving lanes because Drummond is close to the paint. So... I think if you're going to play THT, you have to just be really strategic. You have to make sure he's out there um, when AD's at the five or Gasol is at the five just to kind of uh, have more spacing on the floor to open up driving lanes for him because he's not that good of a shooter. So I, I, think, uh, I think you'll see THT's minutes be very strategic. But uh, we'll see, man. Game two, I believe, is Wednesday. Uh, we go again Wednesday, so we'll see how the – how the Lakers handled that game. I fully expect a bounce back game. I expect us to take that one. I think that wraps it up for episode 16. We'll be back with you on Wednesday after the Dodgers uh, Astro series and after the Lakers game two. 
Uh, as always, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for rocking with us. Uh, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Make sure you're following following us on Twitter at underscore City of Champs. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Pod and leave those five star reviews or um, subscribing to the podcast on Spotify. Continue to check out our our website, cityofchips.com. Uh, new merchandise going up every day. Um, and make sure you're you're following and engaging with us on Twitter. We're giving uh, away some sticker packs, trying to show our supporters some love. So. We appreciate y'all. Peace.